Lord. Hallelujah. The one who came down from heaven and died that we might live. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. 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 I'd like to welcome everyone who has come and those who will yet come to join us for today's Antioch Bible study. Shall we bow our heads to pray? King immortal, invisible, the only true God, the ruler, the possessor of all heaven and earth. We come washed in the blood of Jesus. We come close in the righteousness of Christ. We come to join the angels and the archangels to sing holy, 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 holy the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen. Oh, may it please you, King Immortal, may it please you to breathe your life upon us. May your word transform us. Amen. May your word empower us. May your Amen. word quicken us that the kingdom of our God will prosper in our lives and prosper through us. For it is in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. We take our reading from John chapter 3. We continue our studies in the book of John, the gospel of John. Verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. John also was baptizing in Enon near Selim because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone is flocking to him. John responded, no one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the, is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So, this joy of mine is complete. He must increase and I must decrease. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For God sent him and he speaks God's words. 
since he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. The one who believes in the son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Amen. So, Amen. A man without envy, a man without envy, it is important that we keep track of the fact that the author, the apostle John, is telling us in his gospel the story of the mission of the incarnate Christ to the world. That's what it's all about. What could be so important to God that his son had to take time off his eternal duties to spend 33 and a half years away from heaven to attend to on this tiny planet Earth? What could that be? The answer is the eternal destiny of man that he created in his own image. Let us revisit the story of creation in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. Now, King David, King David, the prophet, captured this story very deeply in Psalm 8, verse 3. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you remember him, the son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God, and you crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Now, what King David added to our understanding of our creation is that we are made to be a little less than God. But we are, for, we are given authority over all creation. That means that in the creational hierarchy, it is God. Then it is the man before angels. The Apostle Paul captured this when he said in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, or don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest cases? Don't you know that we will judge angels? Not to mention ordinary matters. So you have, if you have cases pertaining to this life, you select those who have no standing in the church to judge. It is therefore important to keep the purpose of the incarnation in full perspective. It is to produce saints on earth, men and women who have been transformed and are being daily transformed into the image and character of Christ. And the purpose, the original purpose of the incarnation is revealed also in Romans 8.29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn 
among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So it is important to know as you come to Christ that you are important to God. And that is because of you that Jesus came, you and I, that Jesus came so that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us realize, let us bear in mind that for God Almighty, it is not a small matter. It is powerfully important to him that we be transformed into the image of his son. Are you still hearing me? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, as we progress in the unveiling of this mystery, we must acknowledge those who ran the race ahead to show that through the law, they began to develop the Christ-like character. And so we're saints before the atoning blood was shed, before the Holy Ghost descended to indwell man. Today we focus on what qualities made John the Baptist, the foreigner. He was a man without envy, a man can you pin me so that uh, the people can uh, connect, please? Yes, thank you. Sorry about that. Now, let us focus on ministry without uh, competition. John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, where he spent time with them and baptized John also was baptizing in Enon, near Salem, because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and being baptized. Since John had not yet been thrown into prison, then a dispute arose between John's disciples and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone is flocking to him. Now, the tone of this, this uh, 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 conversation shows that the people were definitely very worried about that. And what are they worried about? You and I can understand that. They're worried that the focus of attention of the people was beginning to shift. Okay? It was beginning to shift from their own master, John the Baptist to Jesus, and they did not like that one bit. So now it raises the question, is it possible to have two ministries with the same objective, operating side by side without a rancor, without competition? Is it possible? John the Baptist declared in the affirmative, yes, indeed, our Lord Jesus can baptize, and I encourage you to go to his baptism. Mm. 
Besides baptizing with water, it is his privilege to also baptize with the Holy Spirit. So it is okay for you all to go over there and be baptized. That's awesome. And that's a very important lesson, you know, because you see that the flesh will, will create competition, rivalry, and, 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 and cause people to say, well, well, I don't listen to that. No, they are, they are different from us. They belong to another group. John said, none of that, none of that. Jesus Christ is the son of God, as we will see. Please go to his baptism. John was a saint, indeed. Our Lord Jesus said of him in Matthew chapter 11, verse 9, but what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and far more than a prophet. This is the one it is written about. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I assure you, Jesus said, among those born of women, no one is greater than John the Baptist since he has appeared, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus was saying, Moses, uh, 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 Elijah, uh, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, none of them is greater than John. None. And you can understand why John has internalized in his short history the characters of Christ, the light of the world. Now, the Apostle John, he wanted us to give proper, you know, the other Gospels didn't say much about John the Baptist, just that he came and baptized. But he wanted us to see the character and nature of this man who was a forerunner of Christ. A man completely without envy, no rivalry, no competition. Everything is for the kingdom of God. John was not too far away doing the same baptism without rancor. However, the disciples of John found such proximity uncomfortable, <laughs> particularly after a dispute arose about the purifying baptism. You can understand, you know, humanity, you know, all in the flesh. What was the problem about? Well, you better come this way. Our baptism cleans better than your baptism. <laughs> That's what the question was about. You know, the, the, the Jew was like, the Jew was like, you guys, are, you, know, you know, your baptism is the old baptism. This is the new baptism now. You know, people will always do that. They will always do that. They will always want to pitch you against another brother so that there will be rancor, there will be competition. Instead of saying, oh, yes, there's quite a lot to learn from what he's doing. There's quite a lot. To, 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 to be blessed through what he's doing. Go on ahead. Listen to him. You know, fellowship with him. You know. And whatever gains you have, bring it here so that our own lives will also uh, uh, be better. That's what it's all about. Working together for the kingdom of God. John said, there's no competition. It is likely that the Jew who raised the question with John's disciples was baptized by the disciples of Jesus. Can you Im imagine, you know, if you belong to the 
First Pentecostal Church of Lagos, where your bishop was baptizing and confirming people. Then comes someone who was baptized at the First Evangelical Church of Lagos, claiming that their baptism was superior to your own baptism, since their boss is the latest preacher in town. And your boss had acknowledged and introduced him. Hmm, that's it. Now, this kind of dispute by subordinates caused much chagrin amongst John's disciples. They decided to approach John directly to sort out the confusion. It's about time you, you, you told everybody that you just introduced him and, and to help him out, you know, so, so that people don't ignore him, but that you are still the boss. You're still the boss. But John disappointed all of them. As we read in uh, verse 27, a man without envy. John responded, number one, no one can receive a single thing unless it's given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah. But I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So, said John, this joy of mine is complete. I have heard the, the, the voice of the bridegroom. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I've done my bit. Then verse 30, he must increase, and I must decrease. What is envy? Here is Webster's Dictionary. Painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another, joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. Here's Holman's uh, Bible Dictionary. Painful or resentful awareness of another's advantage. No, 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 sorry. Webster, painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another, joined with a desire to possess. Yes, then this one says, painful or resentful awareness of another's advantage, joined with the desire to possess the same advantage, okay? Now, jealousy is slightly different, even though they have the same roots, the meaning. Here is Webster again, hostile, jealousy, hostile, toward a rival, or one believed to enjoy an advantage, you see? It's not just uh, uh, when it comes to jealousy, oh no, they, they're going to have it expressed or acted out. There is Holman's Dictionary on Jealousy. So it's used in three senses in scripture, an intolerance of rivalry or in terms of relationship of unfaithfulness. Number two, a disposition suspicious of rivalry, unfaithfulness. Number three, hostility towards a rival, 
or one believed to enjoy an advantage. Now, two words to bear in mind. One is resentful for envy, and the other is hostile for jealousy. Resentful, hostile. Can you imagine people building the same house, the kingdom of God, resentful, hostile to each other? Doesn't make any sense at all. In this historical episode, John the Baptist was neither resentful nor hostile towards our Lord Jesus. And the very powerful and electrifying following that he attracted. The Baptist teaches us by example how to handle this perennial tendency in man to be envious or jealous, the advantage of success enjoyed by another. Very important in Christendom today. Very, very important. Particularly here, if we are to build a nation under God, if we are to build a nation that will shine the light of the life of Christ to the world. For those of us who believe that. First, we must know and accept the truth that whatever advantage or success a man is enjoying in his life, it is a gift from God. The Apostle Paul stated this in dealing with pride in the church. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he said, For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? If in fact you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? That's what the Apostle Paul was making. So if you have an advantage or, 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 over another, hey, stop and think. You know, there was nothing you did to make you superior, it's a gift. Now, James the Elder, the apostle, chipped in with this in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, the implication is quite clear. Since the Lord God Almighty is the source of all and every advantage or success a man is enjoying, access into his presence is free and open to all. To go and obtain their own advantage or success in areas of their strengths and gifts. In other words, what? why should you envy another? Why should you be hostile against another? Why should you block block people from going to, to what they are doing. No. No. We are building the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Okay? Whatever success we gain in this world, it may not even count in heaven if it was done in the flesh. So what matters is to live a life that will be approved by Almighty God on the day of judgment. Okay? John stated this very important principle. No one can receive a single thing, not one thing, unless it's given to him from heaven. Why then should I be envious or jealous of our Lord Jesus Christ? 
He has what God has given to him. His mission and power and authority are from the God of all heaven and earth. So why should I be envious of him? It is God who has given him all of that to build the kingdom of God in the lives of men. John echoed, in some sense, the words of Moses in this exchange in Numbers 11, 27. The case of Eldad and Medad, who were prophesying in the camp. A young man ran and reported, Numbers eleven twenty seven. a young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses since his youth, he responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Oh, how can they be prophesying in the camp? Are there two centers of spiritual authority in this place? It is unacceptable. Stop them. But Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. I wish, I wish everyone was a prophet, said Moses. And then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have to be chasing you people around to follow God and do his will. John was practically saying the same thing to his disciples. We are not in competition with each other. He has his role and I have my role. And mine is to introduce him to all the world. If he is more successful than I, oh, glory to God. It is bound to be that way. There is no territorial war. No fight for tough, you know. <laughs> All these are elements of carnality, you know, by people who don't understand what the kingdom of God is all about. When we have that fight for my tough mentality in our work for God on the earth or work with God on the earth, they know that we are really, truly carnal and in the flesh. And we must not forget what the scriptures say in Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Therefore, those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. That's an absolute statement. No matter what they do or they do not do, those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. Now, let us um, move a little further to, to look at the bridegroom, the, the story that um, John used is from the Jewish culture of weddings. You know, the bridegroom and his groomsman. John 3.29, he who has the bride is the groom. But the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly when he hears the voice of the bridegroom. So this joy of mine, John says, is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, this illustration, it captures the role that John the Baptist played in introducing Christ to his bride, the church, the Jewish culture, the duty of the groomsman 
or the bridegroom's friend, or what we will call the best man today, his duty, okay, is to guard the entry into the bridal chamber to keep out any and every impostor. You see, the, 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 the bride is in the bridal chamber waiting for the arrival of the groom. You know, our Lord Jesus told several parables, you know, because uh, the, the, the bride is waiting. You remember in the, in the, in the uh, 10 virgins, they waited and waited and waited and waited for the arrival of the groom. And they all slept. Then in the midnight, they said, behold, the bridegroom has come. You know? And it was the duty of the best man to stand at the gates, at the entrance to the bridal chamber to ensure that no imposter entered there. Now, can you imagine then what they are suggesting? It is an unthinkable, an unthinkable scenario for the best man then to hide the bride and attempt to supplant the groom. This is the, this is the suggestion John was saying. I am the, I am the groom. I'm the best man. I'm the groomsman, the best man. I cannot supplant the groom and take the bride. I'm here to introduce the groom to the bride. And once that is done, my joy is complete. My joy is complete. Now, it was using an illustration that the people are very familiar with. Okay? So John is saying that as the trustworthy and faithful groomsman, my duty is to introduce the groom to his bride and then bow out. That is it. As soon as the groom enters the bridal chamber, the job of the best man is done. There is a sense in which John was singing what we call in the Anglican tradition, the non-dimities, you know, taken from, from uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. John is teaching us. You know, John is saying, my job is done. My job is done and I'm so happy. John is teaching us to stay within the bounds of our calling and assignment with great joy. In other words, whatever God has called me to do, whatever God has called me to do, let me do it with joy. You know, I don't have to worry about what God has called you to do. You see, the reward is not about what they've called you to do. It's how you did it. Whether you did it spiritually or carnally. So, Thank God for the opportunities we have, we have or, 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 or had in the past. Thank God for the grace to fulfill our individual callings. Concentrate on being the best, whatever God has called you to do. You know, whether it's in the uh, choir, whether it's the preacher, whether it's the pastor, whether it's the bishop, whatever. Concentrate on being the best you can ever be for God in that position. And doing it like Jesus, that's what it's all about. Do not usurp another's office and calling. You know, there's no room for that. Because you see, if God has called me to do A and I, and I like B better and went on to do B, yes, I may have done B very well, but that's not what they're going to judge me on. 
because they didn't ask me to do B. Let us learn never to compete, but always to do our bit and allow others to do their bit, no matter what that bit may be. The Almighty has everyone covered, and each will receive their due reward. And if the new teacher is making more disciples than us, then God is the one empowering his success, and I'm happy about that. We are told that it is not about what we are called to do, but about how Christ-like we are in doing it that fetches the maximum reward. And as a certain Miss Browning said, all service to God ranks the same with God. Now, let us come to this awesome, awesome self-abasement uh, that John revealed in verse 30. He must increase, and but I must decrease. This is a very, very powerful statement that sets the Baptist in a class by himself. The first thing is that he sensed that his job of introducing the bridegroom to his bride has been finished, accomplished. He was willing to fade away henceforth into obscurity as the bridegroom assumes center stage. Yes. This is much easier to do if we are leading men and women to Christ instead of leading them to ourselves. It is important that we do not interface between the people and their God on Christ. We mustn't do that so that they know us, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know their Lord. I always say to believers, don't forget the man that has replaced God in your life. He won't be there when you die and stand before God. He will not be there with you. <laughs> the, primary, the primary loyalty of people must be to Christ. This is important, for we do not have any power to touch them ourselves except what is released to us by the Lord. And when we point them to Christ and they get to know him, we are glad to fade away into the background to allow them grow in the Lord and in the knowledge of his will so that they too can receive their calling and assignment and fulfill it. When we have disciples, whose faith are anchored on the man of God rather than God and his Christ, we create a crisis waiting to happen once we ourselves vacate the scene permanently. Now, in conclusion, as we bring this, um, John says, I am from the earth. And Jesus is from heaven. Verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. Yet, no one accepts his testimony. 
The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For God sent him and he speaks God's words since he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. The one who believes in the son has eternal life, but the one who refuses to believe in the son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. In bringing his response to an end, the Baptist restates the fundamental difference between his ministry and that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he, John the Baptist, is human, or was human, he speaks in human terms and with wisdom given to a man by God. But of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is from heaven, John says, he speaks of things as they are and not in shadows or dimly as the Apostle Paul acknowledged in 1 Corinthians 13, 9. Now our knowledge is partial. Always, because we are humans, our knowledge is partial. You know, from the New Living Translation, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Verse 12. Now, we see things imperfectly, as in a cloudy mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know, John is saying, is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. The tragedy is that our Lord Jesus was testifying about the heavenly realities as they are very uh, as they are very authoritatively, as one who was there and knew all things from the beginning. Yet many prefer, and some still prefer, who believe the testimonies of men who have never been to heaven. <laughs> Jesus was sent by God and speaks, John says, he speaks the works of God. That's an awesome statement that says to you and I, you can trust your life on his word. Hallelujah. This speaks to the very peculiar relationship between the father and his son, which is grounded and built on love. The father loves the son, John says. But let us know that we are told here that the father gives the spirit without measure. Our Lord Jesus told us how to release and unfetter, unchain the spirit given to us by God. In John chapter 12, verse 24, said our Lord Jesus Christ, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The life-giving spirit released into us at our salvation will remain dormant and ineffective until the covering flesh, body and soul are dissolved in death, thereby allowing the spirit within us to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. See, once you remove the flesh, then the spirit can reveal the mind of Christ through us. So there are no personal considerations. It's not about me. It's not about you. 
It's about the kingdom of God, the glory of our God, the glory of Christ. The Apostle Paul stated this so clearly in Romans 8, 6 to 8, where he said, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Verse 8, so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. No matter what they do, no matter what they do not do, they cannot please God. The way forward for every believer in Christ is revealed also in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die in the eternal death, that is. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Of the children of God. Therefore, when we put our flesh to death, the spirit of God in us is released to lead us to do the will of God on earth as it is done in heaven. He makes us citizens of heaven, passing through the earth. As we are told in Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven. We are passing through the earth. In closing this discourse, the Baptist, the gospel writer, reiterates what our Lord Jesus declared earlier. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Let us hear it then, loud and clear. In John chapter 3, 17. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in Jesus is condemned already. So don't wait until judgment to know whether you are condemned or not. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. As we bring this uh, study to a close step. Doctor, you're muted. As we bring this to a close, please go. Let us um, remember the life of the Baptist and how he conducted his ministry. No competition, because we're all working for the kingdom of God. We're working together to build the kingdom of God in the lives of men. The kingdom of God is not a, a, a community. No, it is the kingdom that is inside them manifesting the life of Christ. That's, that's what we have to do. That's why Jesus said, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the next statement, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. That's what it is. Transforming their lives with the principles of godly living and spiritual life that I have taught you. May that be our portion. May Amen. that be our assignment. And may we do it in this wonderful and exemplary way that John the Baptist did it. God bless and keep us all fighting. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Doctor. Sorry. Sorry, just one second. Sorry about that. So uh, thank you very much, Doctor. This is a this is a very key teaching that we've we've come through, which is essentially focusing focusing on the fact that we work for the same master and we're building the same church. And then more importantly, we each have our own role. So there's no basis for competition. I don't know if you want to restate that, sir. Yes, yes, because um, God saw me and saw you. He called you and called me. He empowered you for what he has called you to do. He empowered me for what he has called me to do. And so we are doing it, each of us doing it, but working together so that you bring what he has taught you in, I bring what he has taught me in, and together we build up ourselves and what we are we building up ourselves to become. Like Jesus, that is it. You know, and John taught us how to do that here. He said, you are not, you are not, you are not rivals. You are just servants of the same master. That's what it's all about. So the question here is that, is there a possibility that jealousy arises amongst brethren, either because we do not really know God or his ability, or because we do not know our own assignment? No. Um, you can see that when we don't study the Bible, okay, a lot of times what we do is find a passage that wants to say what we would like to hear, okay? And then we keep emphasizing that. Yeah. But if we study the Bible we are, like we are doing, we are studying every side of it, mm. you know? And you, can, you might go to church for, for 10 years. Nobody will preach on this aspect of John's life. But when we study the Gospel of John, we can't jump it now. We can't jump it. We just have to... Uh, 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 uh. So, so that's why Bible study is very important. So that we can look at all aspects of this spiritual life and take in what the Bible teaches on them, particularly lessons like this that are not uh, uh, very common, you know, that we mustn't compete with each other because we are called, like Jesus said, you know, you know, to serve the same master. No, no, we are not masters. We are called to serve the same master. That is the whole lesson. And so when people don't understand it that way, because nobody has really explained it to them that way, then they can get into all kinds of errors and attitudes that are wrong. But when they see it in the word of God, then they can self-correct. That's the purpose of Bible study. You see in the Bible that what you're doing or the attitude that you've adopted or the policies you're pursuing that are contrary to the word of God, then you, you make changes, you know, self-correction. So sir, here we, another question is, even when we know our calling, is it possible that we can look at somebody else's and say, ah, that person appears, the grass is greener on the other side, that person, appears to be having more uh, 
a better a better assignment <laughs> and so we're discontented with our own our own well that That's is that is the canal ca that is the canality in it you know because you see if i concentrated on my own calling and and the and 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 and, and developing the gifts associated with it i will soon find that it will start glowing also you know that's why people have changed people's lives, serving tables. You know, you know, when they say choose men filled with the Holy Ghost to serve tables, many people will say, Does it need an anointing to serve food? You know, until then, you, you go to serve food, you realize it needs an anointing to serve food. You know, but working miracles is glamorous, sir. Oh, yes, 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 it may be, but it doesn't get any more reward. You know. It's when you did, if you do it the way the Christ did it, you see, when a miracle happens, it's God who is glorified. That's the way Christ did it, you see. It's not that you're drawing, using it to draw attention to yourself, mm. that you're a super, uh, you know, celebrity, you know. So, so if we do it the way, the way the Bible reveals that Christ did it, oh, everything will work perfectly. Everything will work perfectly. So I make my little contribution. You make your big contribution, but together we are building the kingdom in the lives of men. We are not building so, church. We are building the kingdom in the lives of men. That's a very key thing. That's a very key uh, oh, yes. distinction that's, that you're making. You must, you must understand that. Because, we are not building church because church won't go to heaven. Church is here. It's a human organization. you know. <laughs> but the body of Christ is the spiritual union. And the body of Christ are men and women in whom the kingdom is alive. Absolutely. So now here's a question. Pastor, what do you say about churches that say that it doesn't matter if you've been you've attended a water baptism in another church, you have to come and attend water baptism in our own church, or else you cannot be a worker. It's the same thing, it's the same thing that they were telling John now, John's disciples. So that's why the Jew is coming to say, well. And this is your baptism. I think the other one is superior. This is the type of carnality, you know, that arises. This is this is the real question, you know. The, 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 if they baptize you over there, I think you will be purer. <laughs> so if we find ourselves in such a situation, isn't an indication that maybe we're in the wrong in the wrong place? Well. Um, you know, the matter of where you stay to grow spiritually is a decision that should also be spiritual, you know. So um, some people do what they call um, church sampling, you know, and, and what are they looking for? You know, somebody came up to one place and said, hey, I think I found a place I should be going. Please, it's not like all these places that you go and they're having church in a carpenter's shade. So, 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 so people, people do uh, uh, church uh, sampling. But you see, a spiritual person will say to God, wherever you want me to stay and grow. You know, sometimes they send you to a place, you know, uh, uh, um, 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 it's not necessarily because uh, you will grow there. You may grow somewhere else. But what you have, the little that you have, they need it there, you know. So maybe there's some lack in that place that that little that you have will supply. And so you're exposed to another fellowship also that you can belong to where you are fed yourself, where you're fed yourself. 
we're, we're back we're back to the foundation which is that we must be spiritual in everything oh yes absolutely every other thing is kind you know no. i mean i have my experience in the, <laughs> when i came to lagos so i have my experience the first church i went to it was because of proximity it was just next door you know five minutes from my house so i went there but then we i fellowship there it was all okay you know but then when we went to attended the bible study and then the, the preacher, the pastor said that uh, the gifts of God has ended. Ah, I couldn't keep quiet again. And I said, no, pastor, you need to give us Bible reference for that. And that was when there was trouble after that. And the pastor didn't like it. So I had to leave because I thought I was becoming a distraction. So no, there are many things that happen. You know, so sometimes you realize that mm, there's no need, you know, forcing issues here. Let them, since the, this is the way the the, 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 the the revelation they have, let them continue with it. They don't they don't want anybody to uh, uh, um, um, kind of destabilize what they're doing. So, you know, because he was distracting, you know, he was preaching from the pulpit against, you know, um, speaking in tongues and ah, it's become very distracting. So we had to um, leave him alone. But doctor, I think I think we're touching on a very important and critical issue here. And even though we are non-denominational here in KLS and we welcome everybody, but what I hear you saying is that people must take responsibility for where they choose to remain. Well, that, that take responsibility in the sense that you have to keep praying about it, particularly if you sense, if you sense that you're not growing yourself, you know, your knowledge of God is not, is not being enriched. You don't understand more about the, the, the spiritual life and the life of Christ, then you need to you need to go somewhere, you know, like I said to somebody, if you are such a, a an important person in your church, then find such some side fellowship you can attend or listen to or get involved. Now there's plenty online also, you know, so that you, you too can be fed. Otherwise, you're going to dry up. But at some point, you have to be able to make decisions because people seem to run away from making decisions you well, said, the, you the, said Christian, that, the spiritual you know, person doesn't have any difficulties making decisions because you see as a spiritual person you're not weighing pros and cons you know you see when you're weighing pros and cons that's when you have this kind of problem but if you're led of the spirit they don't have an issue once you're led of the spirit whatever the spirit says to do you do but, in, but when you your, start weighing pros and cons, that's when confusion sets in. So, sir, you, you, were, you were talking about your own particular uh, situation, and you said you were becoming a distraction. So can you tell oh, us yes. exactly yes. what the you spirit, did? The spirit, the yes. It is the spirit. Because, you see, before, before we had that exchange with the pastor at the Bible study, it was okay. He was preaching good. We're all um, uh, growing. You know, it was a, 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 it was a non-Pentecostal setting. So, you know, in those early days, I don't think they have such issues now in many places, you know, but in those early days, it was an issue. Okay. Now, there's another question here that says, how can ministers of God remain accountable for behaviors and communication? Not to condemn, but at least to see blind spots that they can improve on. Well, that's why a minister also should attend a fellowship too. Not all the time where he's preaching. Listen to other people or read books, study. 
you know, these are all the things that everybody has to do, you know, so that you you see, gain some um, insight into uh, other dimensions of the spiritual life. It's so huge. Nobody can understand it all in a lifetime. But at least every day we are learning more and more. So the same scripture you have been reading and reading and reading so many times. And then somebody comes and brings light to it. And you are blessed. You gain better insight into it. That, that, that is what, otherwise you will dry up. I, I've heard you say something very key, which is that no matter what your responsibility is, you should also be part of a fellowship where you can also listen to others. Oh, yes, we, 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 we do that all the time. Yes, yes, you listen to others, you, 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 you grow, you know. Sometimes um, somebody says something and the spirit prompts you, say, that's, that's a good word, that's a good word, because it's brought some insight into some um, um, aspect of spiritual life, something that is so vast, you know. That's why they say it's like the visit of the blind man to the elephant, you know. You, you can't feel around it. And say, oh, I, I have it all sorted. Nobody can. Spiritual life is so deep. Sir, I would like you to restate again the fact that we cannot be rewarded for running somebody else's race. I think it's a message. No, that we no. Need to... I mean, okay, okay, look yeah. at it now. Now, look at it. Just look at it yourself in this simple way. You put a question, like they told us many years ago, you put them, you went for an exam and they said, uh, uh, write, uh, 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 a two-page essay on the life and teachings of Christ. Like they told us in those days, that the, 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 the student said, who am I to, to write about my Lord? I will write about Peter. <laughs> so so he, he writes about Peter and submits. So what are you going to mark him? You know, it's zero, it's zero. He may have written about Peter brilliantly, but that is not what you asked him to write about. I don't know. I don't know why such a thing should be confusing to people. You know, that you did some something wonderfully, but it's not what they asked you to do, Lord. It's as simple as that. You know, so you shouldn't come expecting a reward. You know, they sent you. They sent you to 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 Makodi. You went to Kavanchan. And then you came and said they should reward you for going to come and chant. Doesn't make any sense, even in a human setting. Thank you very much, Dr. P. Please pray for us, sir. Okay, Father, we are so grateful that your word is a light. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Oh, how we pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will raise in us, create in us, this mindset of no competition, no rivalry in the kingdom of God, that we will be content to do what you have called us to do, yes. so that we will be rewarded at last. Amen. Oh God, help us, each one of us, so that your church, the body of Christ, will become the light of the world. Amen. It is in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.